The homework tales have infiltrated modern culture in ways that you can't quite comprehend until you can. A reference to the wine dark sea or the goddess whose shield is made of thunder might just sound like a common epithet, but in truth, it's so much more complicated than that. Hello, and welcome to the Zed Files. My name is Nina, and I'm here to talk about history. Not all history, just the history I want, and today, I want to talk about Homer. Now, as we all know, I usually like to rant at the beginning about why I chose a certain topic. And I definitely want to do that today, so yeah. Here we go! I have recently fallen into a bit of a classical rabbit hole, of which I blame on The Song of Achilles, Madeline Miller's exceptional book, of which I have recommended before. But since that fateful, maybe even life-altering event, I've just been a sucker for classics. And recently I've fallen down a sub-rabbit hole within the broader classical rabbit hole about who Homer was and who we should really be attributing the works of the Iliad and the Odyssey to. And I'm so into this topic, guys. Like, oh my god, I'm so invested. But I, I do want to apologize to the few people who actually listen to this because I have been subjecting you to classical history now for like weeks and I realize that some of this stuff may only be interesting to me. But as I say in my intro, I'm here to talk about history but only the history that I want. So, But I do have to say that this is a really interesting topic, at least to me, and I think I'll surprise you guys, seriously. However, with all that being said, it is also a really complicated web of history and speculation to dive into, so I'm just going to break down the structure quickly, because it might be kind of confusing. Firstly, I'm going to try and explain what we know about Homer, which will be quick because we know nothing, and then I'm going to explain what leads us to question the origin of the Homer texts. And then I'll explain the dominant theory and some other potential theories as to its true origin. But I want to say one thing. I have been referring to this episode as an episode about Homer, but really it's more about the complex origin of the Odyssey and the Iliad. And honestly, Homer is more of a side character in that broad millennia-spanning story. Uh, one more thing before we start, I want to make a joke. So, the reason that the Iliad is called the Iliad is because Troy was called Ilium. And so the Iliad translates to Troy story, which then makes the Odyssey Troy story 2, and then you could say that the Aeneid is Troy story 3. <laughs> anyway, Homer. So the thing about ancient Greek people is that they lived, like a really long time ago, like thousands of years. So some of them we know some stuff about, but that's usually only if they wrote about themselves. For example, Thucydides did tell us a bit about himself, so that we understood the biases he may or may not have when reading his account of the Peloponnesian War. But most Greeks didn't do that. For example, although Sappho is probably one of the most famous Greek poets, literally all we know about her is that she lived on Lesbos. Well, obviously aside from the fact that she was a Lesbos. Um, but sadly, Homer falls into the category of Greeks who, for all we know, had bat wings. But um, here's what we do know. His name was Homer, 
He probably lived on the island of Hios sometime in 800 to 700 BCE. How do we know this? Well, Hios is actually located on the coast of Anatolia, which is relatively close to where Choi would have been, which is one of the reasons why it's probably the most likely assumption to make, mainly just because of Homer's surprisingly accurate geography. There's this guy, Heinrich Schleiman, who actually found the ruins of Troy, and to do that, all he did was go to where Homer said it was. But you know what is the weirdest part about this? That happened in 1870, which just makes me wonder why no one tried that before. It's, it took multiple centuries. But like seriously though, that is embarrassing for all of humanity. However, I should make it clear that I feel like defending Hios as his place of residence because in my research, I did come across a source that was like, yeah, there are seven suspected places that Homer could have lived. So I guess take my word with a grain of salt. Additionally, famously, Homer was probably blind and were pretty sure that he was a bard. And I saved the best for last. My most favorite detail about Homer is that he had a rock and it was a special rock that he used to sit and perform and do all of his bardy important things on and and that's it guys that's what we know about homer well i mean obviously aside from the fact that according to legend and i guess book publishers he composed the iliad and the odyssey but that goes without saying but let's play a little game here guys let's all pretend that this is all we know about homer which won't be hard because it is all we know about homer and can't you already see how someone is able to poke holes in this narrative? <laughs> Most glaringly. Just go look up Homer's rock, guys. I'll give you a sec. How do we expect he was writing on that? And if not the rock, then where? Okay, one more thing. I do recognize the fact that he was blind and that theoretically, this could have made writing harder, but I don't believe or see that as any sort of proof for the arguments that he didn't write them, because that, that's just ableist. So just shut up. Okay, but now that that's out of the way, why don't we get to the more interesting stuff? So although the Homer tales are works of fiction, their stories take root in a now understood to be real event, the famed Trojan War. But the thing is that for centuries, people have been speculating whether or not the Trojan War actually happened. And like I mentioned earlier, it was only in 1870 that archaeologist Heinrich Schleiman found what is now suspected to be the ruins of Troy, leading historians to believe that whether or not the Olympians were involved or if Achilles was actually a demigod, the Trojan War itself probably was real. But in order to get to why people even question the origin of the Homer tales, I need to do a bit more history, quite far back. We're going to do a quick rundown of the four eras or classifications of Greek history. There's Mycenaean Greece, the Greek Dark Ages, Archaic Greece, and then Classical Greece. So I'm just going to briefly explain what each one is because they are distinctly different and distinctly relevant to the story. Firstly, and perhaps most importantly, we have Mycenaean Greece. This is essentially the ancient Greece of ancient Greece. It's relevant because it's the time period that both the Iliad and the Odyssey take place in, and the time period in which the Trojan War would have occurred. It spanned from 1600 to 1100 BCE. This is over a millennium before the glory days of Athens, and thus the Greek history that people are more commonly familiar with. 
It's also the Greek Bronze Age. But the actual Trojan War is placed sometime within the last century of this era, so it's often considered to mark the end of it. Then, secondly, we have the Dark Ages. Now, there's not much to say about this because it's called the Dark Ages for a reason. It's often seen as the 300-year period wherein the Greeks forgot how to write or record anything. So yeah, it spans from 1100 to 800 BCE, and I can't say anything else. Then, thirdly, we have Archaic Greece, spanning from 800 to 490 BCE. This is when the Greeks remembered how to write and began to record things again. Thank God. This is relevant because Homer was likely alive right during the scene between the Dark Ages and Archaic Greece. And then finally, we have Classical Greece. This is the Greece you've heard of before, Athens, Sparta, all that jazz. Honestly, for the purposes of this specific episode, it's the least relevant. But you're probably like, Nina, why is this relevant to Homer? <laughs> oh, you poor idiots. You poor, poor idiots, let me tell you. Now, what we need to understand is that the world of the Odyssey and the Iliad are nowhere near the world of Athens as sparkly democracy. In fact, if we didn't know that they were both Greek, there would be no reason to think so. And yes, this is because of the natural societal progressions that occurred during a thousand year time frame, but I would argue that even 300 years later, during Homer's lifetime, the changes in Greek culture were just as stark. But why? Why is this significant? Well, it's because of the glaring historical accuracy of the Homeric tales. Now, remember what I said about the circumstances under which Homer would have been writing? 300 years, at least, later than the actual Trojan War. 300 years in which the Greeks recorded nothing. And yet, the stories Homer crafts are historically accurate enough to rival that of a modern author writing about the early 1700s. And, if you're not yet convinced, even Virgil, when writing his Aeneid, slips up and describes Iron Age weapons at a time when the Greeks and Trojans only should have been using bronze. And yes, Virgil was writing significantly later than Homer, but he also would have had access to many more Mycenaean Greek sources. Not to mention the Odyssey and the Iliad themselves to refer to. And another 800 years of stuff written down, compared to what Homer had, which was nothing. Let me give you some examples. If you've read the Iliad, you'll be familiar with chariot warfare, a form of warfare distinctly unique to the Bronze Age, something that would have been out of practice for, oh, I don't know, 300 years by the time that Homer was writing. The Iliad and the Odyssey also contain loads of references to ancient Greek political geography, some of which are shockingly accurate, including descriptions of ancient Greek burial grounds, which would have been long gone by Homer's day. And, like I mentioned when referencing Virgil, Homer also depicts Bronze Age weapons as opposed to iron, which would have been long out of use during his life. So what am I saying, though? Am I saying that it's too historically accurate to have been composed by Homer in 800 BCE? No, not necessarily. But I am saying that if that is the case, don't you think we need some kind of explanation as to why Homer might have had access to all this information? And if this still doesn't seem like a big deal to you, do you want me to rattle off more examples? Do I need to explain more? Do you want to get into this argument with me? 
Do you want to talk about how he describes the Bronze Age practice of cremating heroes when by his time they had been burying them for 300 years? 300 years where nothing was written down and almost everything from the past 400 years was lost. Are you hearing me? Nothing. There was nothing. And yet you don't think it's a big deal that he knows all this stuff. That he was just casually able to write a historically accurate fan fiction. I couldn't even write a fictionally accurate Harry Potter fan fiction. And that's, that's saying something. You don't need an explanation. Well, fuck you. Go watch PBS. Do you realize that if we didn't have the Iliad and the Odyssey, we likely wouldn't know anything about Mycenae and Greece? So how the fuck did Homer know? For us, this would mean writing a 16,000 line poem set in the 1700s with near perfect historical accuracy without a single source. It doesn't seem possible. So he must have had something, right? Well, guess what? You're in luck because I know and I will tell you. That's the whole point of me talking about this. Jesus Christ. Oral traditions, ya idiot. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Okay, don't worry. I'm gonna get serious again as I proceed to talk about how the Greeks gave each other oral. Performances. Human beings are fundamentally oral creatures. Historically, we've transmitted so much of our culture and knowledge through oral connection and communication. In fact, for most of time, we didn't know how to write, and we passed along our, you could say, condition through the tradition of oral. Performances. But seriously, I'm actually trying to make a point here. Human beings have relied on language in a truly unique way. It was as essential to hunter-gatherers as it is to us now, and even though the Greeks forgot how to write, thankfully they didn't forget how to talk. And so, the practice of writing and recording history was replaced by the act of speaking and performing history. And the people that gave the orals <laughs> were called bards. So this is why there's speculation. This is why what is much more likely than Homer writing the Odyssey and the Iliad himself and just pulling all of these weirdly historically accurate tidbits of information out of his ass is that instead of inventing it, he inherited it through a 300 year long tradition of storytelling passed from generation to generation to generation so that even in the absence of writing, Greek history and stories lived on. However, once again, the fucking Greek Dark Ages fuck us over here, and because of them, we don't really have any real sources or even just a vague outline of what the story could have possibly looked like before Homer. But sadly, guys, I'm going to have to dive into that next week. Guys, I fully had the intentions of making this entire story fit in one episode. It was not meant to be two parts. But sometimes, if I have a busy week or suck at being concise, it ends up like that. So I guess we'll finish the story next week. I really love this one, so yeah, can't wait for that. But just before we end, I want to share a piece of information. Um, it's a little bit irrelevant, but also not. But I need to share this because I've made it my personal mission to repopularize the interpretation of the Iliad that Patroclus and Achilles are lovers. And I hate that word, but if I said partners, the idea would not have gotten across. So if you're like, oh my god, really? I've never even heard that before. Let me tell you why. So it was probably the most popular interpretation of the two back in classical Greece. 
For example, Socrates is quoted as saying and using Patroclus and Achilles as a common example for what he called the pillar of romantic love. Which, I don't know if I would say it's the pillar. That seems like a stretch considering what Achilles did to Hector. I feel like maybe this statement could lead people down the wrong path. But modern interpretations have pushed that interpretation out of the limelight for a reason called homophobia. The best example of this is the 2004 blockbuster starring Brad Pitt, which depicts Patroclus and Achilles as, wait for it, cousins. And I don't think I'm hyperbolizing by saying that this would have been really disappointing to the classical Greeks, and probably Homer as well. I think that if they had made the movie, there would have been hardly a question about how Patroclus, that's their ship name, would have been portrayed. Moral of the story, I think we like to believe we're really progressive in 2021 and have a sort of god complex about that, especially compared to ancient civilizations. But in this case, Greece would have been disappointed in us. And that's saying something, because these guys used to literally think that some people were just meant to be slaves. Oh, wait, we thought that too. Uh, yeah, so the petition for the forced extinction of the Homo sapien race is in the description. Signatures appreciated. Okay, hopefully I'll see you next week and we'll finish this culturally relevant discussion. Sources and everything will be in next week's episode as well. Bye-bye!